All my days I've been held in your hand From the moment that I wake Till I lay my head, oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. And all my life you have been faithful, mm-hmm. and all my life you have been so, so good. Every breath that I am able, oh, I'm going to sing of the goodness of God. I love your voice. You have led me through the fire in the darkest night. You are close like no other. I've known you as a father, I've known you as a friend, and I have lived in the goodness of God. And all my life you have been faithful, oh yes you have, and all my life you have been so so good with every breath that i am able oh i want to see of the goodness of god your goodness is running after it's running after me your goodness is running after, is running after me. With my life laid down, I surrender now. I'll give you everything. Your goodness is running after, is running after me. Your goodness is running after, is running after me. Your goodness is running after, is running after me. With my life laid down, I surrender now. I'll give you everything. Your goodness is running after, is running after me. Every breath that I 
Thank you, Lisa. If you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 14. John chapter 14, verses 21, verses 21 through 23 this morning. John chapter 14, verses 21 through 23. And uh, that's where we're going to be at this morning as we continue our series on activating agreements. Activating agreements. We've been talking about how every day we have a choice to believe truth or believe lies. And belief is not just something we do with our heads, right? We believe with our hearts, we believe with our words, we believe with our actions. And so all of this is ways that we choose to act on, live with, live on, live by God's word or lies from the enemy, or lies from the enemy. So let's talk about it this morning. Let's look at some obedience agreements. And um, we've talked about agreements with life, with ourselves, uh, with other people. And uh, today we're going to talk about it from the idea of obedience. Look at John chapter 14, verse 21. The Bible says, he who has my commandments, actually Jesus says, he who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the whole world? Jesus answered and said to him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. Well, how many of you know it's good to obey people who are wiser than you and love you more than you know, right? It's always good to do that. And, uh, and yet, there's something in us that chooses to disobey at times, right? And uh, I found some pictures of some kids that chose to uh, disobey. Or they're not actually disobeying. They're, uh, they're revealing the selfishness that's kind of the root behind uh, some disobedience. And so if you're watching by Facebook Live, we apologize you can't see the pictures, but uh, we'll try to narrate those as best we can. Here's the first one. Uh, young guy screaming out. Uh, he was told he had to stop biting the cat. And uh, that just broke his heart. Everybody should be able to. I guess if you would let him bite the cat, he might scream louder than that, right? The next one, she was told she couldn't go inside the dishwasher. And <laughs> she just fell down and it ruined her life. I mean, what can I do if I can't go in the dishwasher? The next one, uh, this little boy broke down because uh, his mom wouldn't let him throw books at her face. <laughs> what kind of mom does that, right? Would that you throw books at her face? Here's another one, broke down, falling out crying, little girl with a Mickey Mouse, uh, Minnie Mouse uh, outfit on because she doesn't have any more toes to paint. Boy, life is rough, isn't it? I mean, how many of us want life to go our way? Here's another one. She's so mad because her mom's shoes doesn't fit her. So sad. Here's a little boy who's so sad because the daffodils are gone and mom won't bring them back. <laughs> Some people just can't be pleased. You ever feel this way? Here's a little girl. She wanted ravioli for dinner, and so her mom made ravioli for dinner, and she didn't want ravioli for dinner. <laughs> Can I get an amen from the moms there? A uh, little girl's absolutely brokenhearted because daddy touched her balloon. What in the world were you thinking, dad, touch her balloon? All right. Here's a little girl. She was so sad because Sean said the word green. <laughs> what was Sean thinking? He, how dare he say that? Just two more. Uh, here's a little boy, uh, pretty, pretty upset because his mom won't let him eat the cat food. <laughs> And uh, one last one, this guy is like, he just cannot believe his mom told him that he can't eat the trash. <laughs> What's, I mean, parents are so restrictive, right? I mean, so narrow-minded. Now, does anybody, does this remind anybody of your relationship with the Lord? We want to 
eat the trash on the TV, on the website, on the phone, from the books, and we get mad because we can't eat the trash. Or uh, we want to get inside the dishwasher. <laughs> we want to go to places God tells us not to go to. And we get mad because God says that's dangerous for you, that's going to create some issues for you, but we still get mad. Or we want more toes to paint, <laughs> right? We want things that are impossible. We want a life with no pain a life where everybody likes us, a life where things go our way, and those things just aren't possible. We want people to stop saying the word green. <laughs> we want other people to do what? To act the way we want them to act and to treat us the way we want them to treat us. And life is just not that way. And so today, what I want us to see is that it's really good because we can't figure life out. We don't know what's ahead of the next corner. We don't often know what's even good for us. And so it's really good and wise to obey someone who knows better than we do and love us a lot. Sometimes it's hard to see that, as we'll see this morning, but it's always good. If they know better and they love you a lot, that's the person to obey. Now, you may have guessed we're going to talk about obedience today, right? Agreements about obedience because it's one of the big agreements in our life. God calls us and says, follow me. And we have a choice to obey him or not. Every day, you've got things that pop up and you have to decide, are you going to obey God by what you say, by how you act, by the attitudes that you carry, by forgiveness or not forgiveness, loving people, reaching out, speaking up for Christ, all kind of things. And you got to choose, am I going to obey God or not obey God? Look at John chapter 14, verses 21 to 23. And Jesus, you know, it's good to let Jesus define things. We define things the way we see it. We kind of call things the way we see it. But we really need to let Jesus define the terms. And watch what he says here in John 14. He says, he that has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and will manifest. The word manifest means I will reveal myself. I will make myself known to him. Verse 22, Judas not Iscariot said, Lord, how is it? that you're going to manifest yourself to us, not to the whole world, not to everybody else. And Jesus answered and said, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. We looked, a lot of us did in Sunday school this morning where Jesus asked Peter three times, Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And so you have to ask the question, how do you know that you love Jesus? Well, I just felt so close to God when Lisa sang that beautiful song. We sang that hymn that I love so much. I just, I just felt so good and nostalgic. And, and I feel inspired being in church today. And, and I go to church a lot, but here's the thing. Jesus didn't say that any of those things were evidences of your love for him. They may be and they may not be. But Jesus said the defining thing is, do you keep my commandments? Sometimes I can sing, I love you, Lord, and boy, I just feel like I really, really do. But my life tells the real story, doesn't it? Am I obeying God? And it sounds simple, but you and I both know that when Jesus speaks to us, there's somebody that's going to speak against that obedience, isn't it? 
Satan's going to try to speak against that obedience. We're going to talk about that in Revelation 12 tonight, how to overcome the enemy. But so Satan tries to, to give us lies, reasons not to obey God. The world around you, people that are non-Christians, the values of uh, the world kind of speak against that. And then there's something inside of each one of us. Everybody say inside of me. It just doesn't want to obey God. It's hard to admit, isn't it? But there is, inside the best Christian you know, there's, a, there's something called the flesh. There's a sinful part of our lives that rebel when Jesus tells us what to do. Just like when daddy touches the balloon and the little girl falls apart. There's something about us that we never outgrow that we just want it our way. We want to do our thing when we want uh, to do it. And those lies typically sound something like this, but I don't want to. Or that's too hard. Or it might not turn out like I hope. Or people might think I'm weird. Some people think you're weird anyway. So you might as well, <laughs> you might as well be weird for Jesus, right? I mean, you know. And at the bottom of it, it might be that people might think you're weird if you don't obey Jesus. God says, so those are the, those are the lies. God says, this will be best. Doesn't say it will be easy. He says it will be best. God says, I love you. The command comes from a heart that would die for you. And Jesus said, you will get to know me better. You'll get to experience life with me. You'll get to see me do some things in and through you that you would not see otherwise. That's, why, that's what he's saying in John 14. If you obey me, I will reveal myself to you. You'll see God do some things in you and through you that you'll be glad a million years from now that you did. And so that's what Jesus is saying. He's offering, he's giving us truth here to obey him. So let's talk about three agreements we need to either make or break uh, this morning as we seek to obey the Lord. And as I talk about this, I'm going to say three things this morning. I'm going to say, first of all, to make or break these agreements, we need to decide whose opinion that we really, really, really value, what outcome or whose outcome do we trust, and then whose ownership will we surrender ourselves to? First of all, whose opinion do you value? Uh, when we look at life and we go to make decisions, we say certain things, we tell certain jokes, we, people ask you how you're doing, you say different things, and a lot of that is based on what you think somebody else is going to think about that and whose opinion you really value the most, and you know as a pastor, you probably expect me to say this, do you value God's opinion more than other people's? But that's a really penetrating question if you think about it. I mean, if you think about it, it's a penetrating question. The way I speak, my attitudes, I mean, you're shaped by the people you're around. Uh, I've heard somebody say years ago that if you show me your five closest friends, I'll tell you what you're like in 15 years. Our friends do shape us, okay? Our friends do have an effect on us. And so it takes a very intentional person to say, I value what God says over what anybody else says. I value and I trust his opinion more than anybody else's opinion. Now, you expect me to say that in church, but when Jesus said this to his disciples, they weren't in church. They weren't, Jesus wasn't trying to come up with a Sunday school lesson. And he thought, I wonder what I was teaching Sunday school Sunday. Or I wonder what sermon I'm going to talk about with the next time the, the, the crowd shows up. I think I'll use this as a sermon. That's not it at all. This is on the night before he's betrayed. He's going to be arrested that night. 
This is real life stuff here. I mean, the Jews are plotting to kill Jesus. The disciples have to be wondering, are they plotting to kill us as well? There's all manner of things that's fixing to happen here. Things are getting to critical mass in the ministry of Jesus. His defiance of the Pharisees and Sadducees, his unwillingness to bend to them, his statements about him being God, having the ability to forgive sin, being the only way to the Father, is really creating havoc here with the people around him. And so things are coming down that they're not going to put up with him much longer. And so the disciples have to be thinking, is he going to kick the Romans out, overturn the rulers of the temple? Is he going to take over? Or is he going to get himself killed out here? That's kind of what's happening here. And there are days in your life when things get to kind of critical mass, don't they? When you're trying to decide what college are you going to go to? Uh, What are you going to do about this relationship uh, that you're in? Uh, Your family's kind of a mess. Uh, Your relationship with your best friend's kind of a a mess. you got some health issues, health crisis, financial problems. You think you're not looking good at your job. And, And it gets kind of to a critical point, and you've got to decide Am I going to obey God and trust Him here, or am I going to obey what somebody else thinks I should do? Am I going to do what I think is best, what what makes the most sense, or am I going to go to Jesus and say, I want to obey you? And the interesting thing here, when it comes down to life and death decisions, Jesus' focus is this, obey me. I mean, here's the focal point. This needs to be over everything else that's about to happen. Jesus says the focus point is obey me. So many other questions these guys had to have. Jesus, how's this going to turn out? I I mean, you would just want Jesus to say, okay, guys, now when they're going to come arrest me tonight, when they do, here's what you do. That would have been so helpful. You know, they're with him. Peter draws a sword. Jesus says, put your sword away. He told him to bring a couple of swords. And so Peter figures he might as well use it, right? And so, you know, just so many, what do we do when they're crucified? Do we go to the cross? Do we stay somewhere else? Do we go back home? There's so many things that Jesus is going to help them with. But he said, here's the focal point. You love me by obeying me. Somebody say love by obedience. Yeah, it's really going to get hard here for them. John 14, 30, Jesus says, I will not say much more to you for the prince of this world is coming and he has no hold over me. He's talking about Satan. He's saying Satan's going to have a heyday with some folks here. Satan's going to have a heyday uh, with some people's lives and ideas and thinking and thought. And some people, a lot of people for them and some people for you and me are not going to like you following Jesus. And if we can't accept that, we're not going to follow very closely. If we can't accept the fact that some people are not going to like it, they're not going to agree with you, they're going to disagree, they're going to think you're nuts, think you're weird, think you're silly, think you're stupid, they're going to leave you out of a friendship, leave you out of a gathering, a party, agree. If you can't deal with the idea that loving Jesus means some people aren't going to like it, they're going to think you're silly, you're taking this religion thing too far. You're just going overboard with this whole Jesus thing. Things will go so much better with you if you'll just be quiet about Jesus. You got to decide, am I going to obey Jesus when those things come up or am I going to give in? Because God says, look, I know better than anybody else. 
I know better. I love you more. I'm going to reveal myself to you. I know where the traps are. I know the outcomes of these things. The focal point is, will you value God's opinion or will you value somebody else's opinion? So here's your weekly growth suggestion this week. It's fairly simple. I just want to encourage you this week when you get up in the morning, just to choose to say out loud each day, Lord, I choose to value your opinion over everybody else's. Okay? Just choose to say that two or three times a day. Lord, I choose to value your opinion over everybody else's. And you're going to be tested on it, right? At work this week, some of y'all are going to need to be able to say, Lord, right here with this stuff going on, with this talk going on, I choose to obey you. Those of y'all going to camp, y'all going to have to make this decision several times this week. God's going to nudge you to make a decision. God's going to nudge you to share something in family time. God's going to nudge you to share something with somebody else. God's going to nudge you to pray for somebody at camp, uh, ask someone to pray for you at camp. And you're going to have to decide because you're going to think, I don't want to say that. (laughs) I don't want to stick my neck out there. And if you're going to have a Jesus camp, you've got to choose to trust God enough to obey him. Some of you are going to face that this morning during the invitation time. God's going to nudge you to do something. God's going to nudge probably all of us to do something. It may not be an outward thing, but we have to choose to say yes or no. I love what Peter said in Acts 5, 29, when they threatened uh, them with jail. Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than men. And guys, let me just give you a little heads up. Sometimes it comes from the most unlikely places. You think, Really? Sometimes it comes from somebody that calls himself a Christian. Maybe they are a Christian. I could remember when I was in college, I made a, a decision to really make a full surrender of my life between uh, the fall and spring semester of my sophomore year. I'd not been living for Jesus. I was saved, but I wasn't really following Christ very well. And I can remember saying to several of my friends, because I just felt like God told me I needed to, I needed to make a break. And I said to several of my friends, uh, I made a decision to follow Jesus. I've been a Christian, but I haven't been acting like one. And so I'm going to try my best to follow Jesus a lot closer. And I apologize. I've not been a good witness for Christ, uh, but I'm going, to, I'm going to do my best. I love you guys. Hang out, play basketball, go to Lee's, drive in for a banana split. Amen. To the glory of God. Amen. 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 Uh, but some of those things that we've been doing, I, I'm just not going to do anymore. And almost every one of them said, well, that's fine, except one person. And that one person was a Christian. Of all places, right? Of all places. Second thing I want you to see is whose outcome do you trust? Whose outcome do you trust? Choices have consequences, right? And so when you choose to value God's opinion over others' opinion, you're saying, I trust God's outcome more than I trust my own outcome. I choose to trust God with the outcomes of my choices or I choose to do what I want and hope for the best. It's really your choices, right? I mean, when it comes down to uh, your speech, attitudes, values, all that kind of stuff, do I trust God with the outcomes or am I going to do what I think is best and hope for the best? Because you and I cannot control outcomes. We control choices. You've heard me say it numerous times before. You can choose your sin, but you can't choose the consequences of it. Once you sin, things are turned loose that you don't have control of it anymore. Who knows about it? What they're going to say about it? Is it going to get out? All that kind of thing. And so we have to just say, Lord, do I love you enough to trust you with the outcomes of my life? The devil's going to lie. Y'all know the devil's a liar, right? 
And here's his lies. He'll be things like, oh, it's not going to be that bad. Have you ever heard that say amen? Yeah, it's not going to be that bad. Everybody else is doing it, right? Everybody else isn't, by the way. <laughs> you won't get caught. Mm. Some of y'all have parents that pray that you get caught when you do wrong. <laughs> It'll be fun just this once. I heard a I would never say this. But I heard a pastor say the other day that disobedience is like sneezing. It feels good for a minute, but then there's snot everywhere. <laughs> I would never say anything like that. That's just too gross. But he said that. But it's kind of the truth, isn't it? John 14, 21. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him, and I will reveal, I will manifest, I will show myself to him. He says, look, trust me with the outcomes. Obey me, and I'll show you my love for you. See, God loves everybody the same, but not everybody experiences it the same. You'll get to see me at work in your life. God wants to work in everybody's life, but you're not going to see it much if you don't obey. You get to know God better, and you'll be glad for eternity. The focus is not on what's going to happen. Don't you know the disciples are thinking, well, Lord, what are the Jewish leaders going to do? Are they going to kill you? Are they going to kill us? Should we go back home? Should we live? What, what is going to happen next? And Jesus just said, just obey me. I mean, the stakes are really, really high. And Jesus said, the most important thing you can do is obey me right here. Now, what a lot of us like to do when God nudges us to do something is we say something like this. I'll get to it. I, I, I'm going to do that, Lord. Yeah, you're right. I, I, I'm going to do it next week. Or I'll do part of it. How many of you know delayed obedience and partial obedience is disobedience? See, see the partial obedience goes something like this. God nudges your heart that you need to teach Sunday school next year. And you say, well, Lord, I'll pray for my Sunday school teacher really hard instead. The Lord nudges your heart and convictions you need to tithe, and you think, well, Lord, I, I, expenses are tithe. I think I'll give $5 instead. God wants you to witness to somebody. God nudges you, so you need to invite them to church or share your faith, and you say, well, Lord, I'll pray for them really hard for the next week. God wants you to forgive somebody, and you say, well, Lord, I won't hurt them, and I'll go to church a lot. See, it's partial obedience. It's, kind of, it's like God says do this, and you say, I'm not really comfortable with that. I'd rather do this, and that is called, everybody say, disobedience. disobedience. Boy, that hurts when the Holy Spirit brings that home, doesn't it? But this is how we get closer to Christ. This is how we experience God. This is how we get to know his love in deeper and deeper ways. Lord, I want to see you at work more than I want to play it safe with this one wild and precious life. So this morning, what agreement do you make? What agreement are you going to make this morning? Are you going to make the agreement to say, Lord, I'm going to say, yes, Lord, yes. Or I'm going to do what I think is the best thing to do. I was listening to a guy named Os Guinness. Os Guinness is a really, really uh, smart guy, really, really well-respected uh, Christian guy. Uh, Os has written or edited more than 30 Christian books. Um, he is also was educated at the University of London, has a Doctor of Philosophy degree in Social Science from Oriel College in Oxford. Really, really bright, well-respected Christian guy. And I heard he wrote a book recently called Signals of Transcendence, how God kind of nudged people toward him when they were very, very far away. And he tells the story of Windsor Elliot. 
her real name, that's her modeling name. She was a model for Vogue magazine. She was a world-famous model at one time. Uh, her, her, her real name was Jenny McDonald. She went to USC, actually dated Tom Selleck back in the day. How about that? They did Tom Selleck back in the day. And so she went to USC, went to school there a very short time, went to San Francisco on a trip and decided on spur of the moment to do a, it's kind of a kick, do a uh, photographic modeling tryout kind of a thing. And y'all, it went big. She never went back to USC. Caught on immediately. Uh, she started traveling to places like Los Angeles, New York, London, Paris. As I said, her, her photo ends up on the cover of Vogue magazine. And uh, her, her, she was engaged to be uh, married to a French baron. Yeah, multimillionaire. They went to parties with the Duke and Duchess of Windsor. Uh, travel. I mean, they, you know, they, when he asked her out, it was like to Paris, France, to a castle. You know, it wasn't to the cinema and and uh, and uh, Zaxby's or David's Catfish. It, it's better than inviting a girl out to Big Mike's, right? <laughs> it's big time stuff here. And she was at this party, and at this party there was a. She said it like a cheetah. It was actually a painted ocelot walking around at the party. It was a pet. They had had it declawed, and they had done a couple other operations on it to make it docile. It wasn't vicious. They had took all the, the, you know, the energy out of it. And she said she was watching this painted ocelot just walk around this party, and she said that is not what that was created to be. She said that's just a caricature. It's a phony to what that should be. And she said at that point, she looked around the party and saw all these rich, famous people with all this expensive clothes and things on, and she said, and we're a bunch of caricatures of what we were made to be. This can't be what we were supposed to be. And it sent her on a search for truth. And she told her she was engaged to this French baron. She told him, I want to know what the meaning of life really is. A Vogue magazine actually sent her to spiritists and mediums and things like that. Uh, two years, two years, she, she is on this search. And, and, the, and then the search at some point, she says to God, because it all was empty, she said to God at one time, she said, God, I can't find you. You're going to have to find me. And she said, as best she can tell, it was six months from that day. She was at her mama's house. She had some friends over, and they were looking at, um, at some of her photographs and uh, portfolio, looking at her portfolio. And as they look through the portfolio, they see a particular picture, and they gasped. And Windsor Elliott looked at, looked at the photo and said, why did you gasp? That's not a particularly great photo. And they said, well, we're Christians. Six months ago, we were going out of a grocery store, going to a prayer meeting, and we saw that picture on the front of Vogue magazine. And the Holy Spirit spoke to our heart and said, buy that magazine and pray for her every day. And she said, we had no idea. But we've been praying for you for six months every day. I'm telling you guys, not every act of obedience works that way. But what if it does? What if it might? I'm saying we'll see God do more in and through our lives when we choose to obey. But they had to wonder, why in the world would God want us <laughs> to do that? Just obey. And the last thing is whose ownership would you choose? Whose ownership 
will you choose? Who will you, who will you let make the decisions for your life? Do you, whose, whose word do you value? Do you value God's word over everybody else's? Do you trust it for the outcomes? And then it really boils down to who makes the choices for you? Who owns you? Here's the agreement. Who has the right to make the decisions in your life? You are King Jesus. It comes down to a daily battle. The most important decision you and I make every day when we wake up is who's going to be in control of my life, me or God? Am I going, before I get out of bed, am I going to say, Lord, I surrender this, this day to you? And probably need to do that 50 more times that day. But to start off saying, Lord, this day belongs to you, for you, to you. You own me. I'll go where you want me to go. Do what you want me to do. Say what you want me to say. Be who you want me to be. Lord, I belong to you. That's the most important decision any of us make through the day. Satan is a liar. And you know what he wants to do? Satan wants to show you the best things. Sin's going to be fun. You're going to enjoy it. People will like you. You'll be popular and all that. But Satan hides the fine print, doesn't he? He doesn't even show you the terms and agreement so you can check on it. Satan says, look, you, if you eat this, you will not surely die. You're going to be wise. You're going to be smart. You're going to have all this stuff going on for you. And he hides the fine print, which says the passing pleasures of sin are for a season. If you don't turn that around, if you don't give your life to Jesus, if you don't come to Christ to be saved, then you've got an eternity to regret that decision. You've got to look eyeball to eyeball and realize whose life are you going to choose. Satan is a liar. He says, man, he, he, here's something you want to enjoy. Here's something you want to drive. Here's something you want to wear. Here's something you want to post. Here's something you want to eat. Here's something you want to drink. Here's something you want to smoke. Here's something you want to experience. And you can have it today. Today, man, you're going to have the life. But you don't know that he is a liar and a murderer and has been one from the beginning. Jesus does the opposite. Jesus says, hey, in Luke 14, 26, if anyone wants to come to me, does not hate father, mother, wife, children, brothers and sisters, even their own life. Such a person cannot be my disciple, and whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. That's honest, right? Now, we know he doesn't literally mean hate because he says the greatest commandment is to love God and love each other, but it's to love him more, to obey him more. He's the one in control. Now, he says, here's the thing, it's going to be hard. But do you know what the context of Luke chapter 14 is? Up above that, verse 16, Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a what? A great banquet. <laughs> Jesus is preparing a great banquet. So, are we going to say, yes, Lord, yes? I wonder today. There's an area of obedience in your life that you've been putting God off on. It's an area of obedience you've been stiff-arming God. A lot of us, you know, we don't want to just say no. We want to say later. <laughs> when I, I'm not ready. I don't know enough. We just want to kind of stiff-arm God out there and tell him, well, we'll do this a little bit later. We'll do, it, we'll do it partially. We'll do it a different way. How many of us are ready to say today, God, I want to obey you with joy and with a full I was listening to Lee Strobel the other day. Lee Strobel's written a number of books. He was an atheist, and his wife got saved, and he hated it. He didn't want her to be saved. He was, he was, and he was an investigative reporter for the Chicago Tribune. And if you, some of you have heard the story of Lee Strobel. He's written, he, he, he went in on an investigative journey to discover if Jesus was a liar or not and became a Christian in the process. 
As an investigative reporter, his investigative skills led him to believe Jesus was who he says he was. Then he's written a couple of books that are really good. The Case for Christ, The Case for Faith. A lot of these are really good books. And so Lee was still working at the time he tells the story. still working at the Chicago Tribune. And there was a guy there that he would invite to church, share his faith in Christ with occasionally. And, and the guy just always shut him down, shut him down, shut him down, wasn't interested. And so Lee had not said anything to him for a good little while. And then one day, it was close to Easter time, and he said, I'll give it another shot. And so he said, um, look, I know we've talked about this before. You said you weren't interested, but it's Easter, man. Why don't you come to church? Come to church with me on Easter. And our pastor's going to talk about the resurrection, why it makes sense to believe in the resurrection. I'd love for you to come be my guest at church. And the uh, guy just shut him down, shut him down. I'm not interested at all. Several years later, uh, another guy came up to Lee. Uh, Lee was, at this time, he was, he was pastoring the church. This guy came up to Lee, and he said, uh, man, you, I just want to thank you. You've had such a great influence on my life and Lee said well he said you don't know me do you and Lee's like I'm sorry I don't I don't recognize you he said several years ago I lost my job it was in a really really difficult place I had a friend of mine that um, that that I knew that had some places that he might could put me to work and I asked him I said, dude man I'm, I'm out of a job I do anything and the guy said can you lay tile oh well, yeah he said I've tiled my bathroom tile my living room I could do a little bit of that he said well, well good he said um I want you to come uh, and, and lay some tile in the business office of the Chicago Tribune. And he said, I don't think you knew I was there, but you went to this guy's office and you started telling him about Jesus and the evidences of the resurrection and how you wanted him to come to church with you. And he said, I'm on my hands and knees that are laying tile and I'm listening to you. My life's falling apart. And he said, after you left, I called my wife and I said, we're going to church Easter Sunday. <laughs> we're going to church Easter Sunday. And he said, I gave my life to Christ my wife gave her life to Christ. My teenager gave their life to Christ. And our life is so, is so different now. And you probably never even knew we were even there. Guys, it's amazing what God can do if we'll obey. And it's tragic when we miss it. It really, sometimes we're afraid of what somebody may say or think or do when we obey God. We probably ought to be more afraid of what we might miss out on. Would you stand, please, with heads bowed and eyes closed? Heads bowed and eyes closed, no one uh, looking around. What is God nudging you to do today? Is there an area of obedience? Maybe something you've been putting off that you just need to confess to God today. And you need to say, Lord, I've been making excuses, but what I've really been doing is disobedience. And I've been acting like I can just live life on my own. I've been acting like that obedience is just sort of optional, something for extra credit. Something for if I want to be a super Christian or not. But Jesus calls us all to obedience. And so as I pray this morning, I ask you to talk to Jesus about it. Maybe when Lisa plays the piano, you'll want to come kneel at this altar and say, Oh God, forgive me for being disobedient. Or maybe you just want to kneel down and say, Lord, I choose to obey you. I choose to give you my heart. I choose to value your word over anybody else's word. Father, would you speak right now? Lord, I've, I've preached what I think you wanted me to preach. But God, I can't change my own life, much less anybody else's. We look to you now. Would you speak? Would you change our lives? Holy Spirit, give us the wisdom to obey with a whole and joyful heart this morning. Lisa, play softly today. I'll be here. If you want me to pray with you, I'll be glad to pray with you. If you need to be saved. 
feel led to join Hopewell Baptist Church. Be glad to talk with you about that. If you're already a Christian, you've been baptized, you can talk to you about joining the church. If you just want to come to the little altar, maybe that's an area of obedience you'd like to step of obedience you'd like to take this morning. Do what God called you to do.